Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. I read about a scientist at Cornell University who has been studying happiness and money. Over 20 years of research, he's learned a lot about what brings long-term happiness in purchasing physical objects like cars or clothes or other material possessions do bring happiness, but only for a short period of time. Experiences, on the other hand, his research has shown, offer a long-term happiness for living. So traveling, outdoor activities, taking classes or volunteering, going to concerts and things like this actually develop long-term happiness. Well, concerts, that's another reason for you to come to jazz at JAPC next week. It will bring more happiness than money can buy, and lo and behold, it's backed by science. Shameless plug, but you really should come. It is going to be a wonderful experience. Now, you see, the reason for this long-term happiness being developed out of experiences is because these experiences become a part of our identity. Experiences enrich us. They build our character and our relationships with one another. This scientist explains that these experiences become a part of who we are. We become the sum total of our experiences, he says. Shared experiences then become a part of the way that we relate to people, the way we relate to one another, especially those who become most important in our lives. Experiences strengthen our relationships, particularly when they happen with another person. Our sense of belonging increases when we share experiences with these people. And so material possessions, when overvalued, becomes clutter to what makes us most happy and most connected with people who we value. So this fall, our sermon series is called Go and Do. It is about what disciples do, the ways that we try to follow Jesus faithfully. When we get to the heart of what it means to live our faith and what it means to live in general, people will say, go and do. People will say, go and make it happen. Go and live the experience. And some people will even say, go and be, just be, be yourself, be who God made you to be. As I read this text, it occurred to me that no one actually says, go and have go and possess, go and own. We don't really say that. We don't say it to one another, but when you look at the way culture invites us to live, much of our culture invites us to live in ways that consume or own or have
have or possess. So when we live out these messages, live in a way that consumes, we grow attached to the things first. And that attachment is what can get in the way of what is most important to who we are. As some say, the things that we own begin to own us. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that a life of faith begins with the call to abandon attachments to the world. If we live a faith that follows Jesus, it means that our focus and our attention on Christ is primary. Christ becomes our first commitment, our life's focus, which means that anything that we might use to avoid our commitment is to be diminished, is to be discouraged, is Jesus to be let go. Jesus tells the disciples in our scripture this morning that a life of faith is not easy. Trusting God, putting the grace of God first, is no ordinary or simple task. It is more than being kind to others. It is more than being a good person. It is, at times, even counterintuitive. Any person seeking faithfully to follow will be challenged by what faith requires. Jesus' instruction is not just challenging, it's, it's almost provocative. It is a call to ungrip ourselves from worldly attachments. That is a radical commitment to God's love and what is required to live out that love. So what do disciples go and themselves do? to Christ in every part of their living? Anything that prevents one from experiencing God fully is to be denied. The disciples are to pick up their cross and follow after all. Even if it means all. letting go of people we love. Even if it means letting go of possessions that we cherish. Living a deep and committed faith requires sacrifice. So we are called to have a light hold on things of an earthly nature. Disciples let go of attachments as their way of carrying the cross. And this kind of self-denial mimics the resurrection of Christ. And while Jesus dies and transforms life through resurrection, disciples transform life with a focus on the spiritual over the material. And doing so requires a commitment that is possible only with the help of God. But ultimately, when we read this scripture, what is required, what Jesus is asking for, is the commitment. And such a commitment, and reading the scripture, is clearly not easy and is probably not widely popular. Discipleship may not seem attractive when we hear what it requires, especially when it might require sacrifices that are hard. But I don't think Jesus intends this to be punishment. I, I think it was intended to be an honest view of the world that if we want to see a better life, a fairer world, a world that looks more like the one that we and God desire— then this kind of faithful commitment is what is required. 
And this commitment is not just for the transformation of the world. This is the kind of commitment that will change our lives. The power of experiences of God's love have an intrinsic value. It could change the life of a community, diminishing the power of greed and entitlement and self-centeredness, makes room to cultivate compassion and justice and authentically shared love. Putting God before all else is a powerful experience. Admitting to Christ's ways of grace and forgiveness and love is powerful in our own lives as well as the lives of others. Putting God ahead of opinions and judgments and assumptions could change the way we see people around us. It could be more powerful than anything we know. And if this grace is powerful enough to guide this kind of transformation in our lives, then there is a great hope for the world to experience a profound kind of renewal. Experience could redefine who we are and who we think of ourselves to be. And as unpopular as might seem from the outside looking in, there might really be a hope that God's kingdom would be on earth as it is in heaven, just like we pray every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer. Releasing ourselves from attachments might actually be an encounter, a counterintuitive in way to build up the world. It might be a way to build up our churches. It might be a, a way to build up our neighbors and our neighborhoods. It might be a way to build up our city. It might be a way to build up ourselves and our families and the people we love most dearly. There's a Detroiter, a man named Bill Walton. I think Bill models this instruction well. Now, I don't know if he's a person of faith. I don't know if he has a church. But from what I've read about Bill, I know that he's a person of commitment. I think he models the commitment that God calls people to in discipleship. Now, he's been called Detroit's flower man. He has a business that is called Walt's Plants or Walton's Plants. It's about a 10-minute drive from here, actually. It's a 10-minute drive from church. And regardless of his job over the years, and he has had many, he has cultivated plants and flowers on the side as a side business. And he believes in the transformative power of the beauty of these plants. So in neighborhoods with blight, with decaying and abandoned houses that make the neighborhood look dead, Bill plants beauty and cultivates Bill creation. Day when the east side around here, these neighborhoods were filled with houses and families, families that took pride in their homes and their neighborhood and made them look beautiful. And though times have changed, though life has gotten a bit harder, Bill maintains this same commitment that he had from long ago. Bill told a reporter recently, I feel like people can take a shack and put some flowers in front and you don't notice what is behind it. You notice the beauty that is in front of it. He believes in the power of nature and flowers and beauty to transform now, life. Bill has met resistance 
with this commitment. He'll bring flowers to places and he is turned away. People don't always share his vision of what these flowers could do. No, no, it's not flower season. We don't need any. But Bill's commitment is founded on a belief that flowers can transform neighborhoods and they can transform people. Something so simple can bring change. And so rather than waiting for that change, rather than waiting for a time when repairs can be made on houses, rather than waiting for enough money to change a neighborhood, he believes that beauty could bring it sooner, quicker, even now. A person's commitment can cultivate a life that Christ offers to the world if we commit ourselves to that life. All the work of releasing ourselves of the attachments that limit us, the worldly attitudes or positions that could hold us back is a real preparation for a deep encounter with God and a very profound way of living our faith. Taking on the full commitment of faith requires something of us. And if we go to follow Jesus, we will find that it is difficult. Difficult enough that we may doubt our ability. We might feel like we won't get it every time. We won't get it right. And the truth is, we we probably won't. We will also find that we've experienced a deeper grace in our trying to follow than we ever knew of experiences that we never knew were available to ourselves because we have made ourselves available to them. And the gifts of such experiences become a part of our identity, part of who we are, both as individuals as well as the body of Christ. And these gifts become essential to the relationships that we make and sustain. So Jesus' invitation is before us. And may the church trust the grace of God to commit and recommit to its faith every day. May the church trust God when it becomes too hard and we grow weary and we're uncertain. May the church lean on one, one another, especially when it's hard, knowing that we are here to be the church for ourselves, for God, and for one another. May the church open itself always, every day, to this grace that makes our faith possible. Thanks be to God. Amen.